Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. So we have been journeying through a uh, book of the Bible, Galatians, um, an epistle, and uh, we thought, you know, we're six weeks in, we're halfway through, um, a little more than um, this summer time. We're going to take the whole book through the summer, and we thought that we would take uh, this morning to dialogue about the time that we um, have already talked about and the topics and themes and try to bring it down to us, GHC, and pastors that are here and just applicable, whatever the Lord inspires about that. And so um, for those of you that haven't been here, um, I just want to talk you through some major elements to the point that we have this morning just to bring you with us along the way. Um, So, you know, Galatians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul after his two missionary journeys um, to um, East Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey today. Um, If you look at that, to a group of churches in that region, uh, region of Galatia, and to the churches that he established. And um, as, as he was removed from the establishment of his churches, they were growing. So I'm looking, I'm looking. Here we go. Okay, all right. Um, things began to flare up in a way that um, as word got back to him, there was movement from the teaching of the gospels that they had received from the apostle Paul to other gospels, other ideas, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And so when the Apostle Paul writes this letter, it's a letter that's written in a way that is like no other in the epistles, okay? So you need to know that. The book of Galatians is not written in the same kind of tone or tenor as the other letters. In fact, um, the other letters tend to have a more uh, romantic, um, heartfelt uh, tone to them. The book of Galatians is not that. In fact, the other letters start out with grace and peace to you, and I'm so proud of you, and how you guys doing, and words come to me, and I want to commend you. Galatians isn't that. In fact, Galatians is a letter that is a um, conflict letter. It's a letter of, of correction. It's a letter that is to his disciples, the churches that were set up, but, but not in the way that you would think. In fact, the first verse of Galatians, chapter 1, his first verse is his credentials. I, the Apostle Paul, um, an apostle of the church, set in by Jesus, not of man. So essentially, right from the get-go, he's writing to tell you that he doesn't really care what you think of him. These are his credentials. Like this is the book of Galatians. Second verse, he goes into grace and peace to you. Love you. Thank you. And then launches from there right into his corrective action about what it is that they have done. And namely, what they had done is they had allowed other um, gospels to come in, other ways of thinking to creep into the church, thus prying them away from the teachings of the Apostle Paul and the work of Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ, adding to it by saying, um, well, you know, it's great that you guys are Christians, but here's the law in the Old Testament. You, ne- you need to begin doing that. 
And so Galatians is a great study in and warning to even us 2,000 years later as a church um, on other gospels and other things, division in the church, disunity, all this kind of stuff that creeps in. And so we're going to talk about it today. And so, Pastor Noah. I can't get over how you said division. <laughs> When we were looking kind of over the last few weeks, and we were pulling out some major topics from this, um, from the last four kind of chapters of Galatia, um, we kind of came up with a few things. And the first one would be um, unity. Um, it was a major theme in, Galat- in the book of Galatians. And a huge part of that unity was you seeing two groups of people and you see Jews, Jews and basically non-Jewish people. And, um, and I like how even there's a, there's a passage in this where Paul addresses them. And he says, and maybe some of you know this, um, you're new, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. All of you are just one in Christ Jesus. Um, what that does is that levels the playing field. And what that does is it brings unity not by maybe your social status or even by maybe your wealth or your skin color, but it makes unity connected to one thing, and it's Jesus. Amen. And even now in this room, all of us are unified, not because we all are from the same background or the same wealth status. Some are wealthier, some are less wealthy. It's all mixed bag. Or even you may be, you may be even different ethnicities than me. But the primary thing is why we all can sit here together is one person, Jesus. And so that was a major um, point in the book of Galatia. And I think that is very relative to even today. Um, I think of even this the last few years of how things have gone um, in our country. I think with like COVID and a few social issues and stuff like that, um, I feel like there's been a lot of disunity amongst people and even amongst the church. Um, Drew, did you want to add anything? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that the, the Apostle Paul is trying to get through. I actually think the scripture is from you know, the very beginning is that it's, God in, it, it's God's intent that we would be family, yeah. that we would be one. And so the unifying thing for us is Jesus. Um, and, and in that, the church is actually supposed to look like a new creation, right? We aren't supposed to have, you know, we do though, spoiler alert, we do. Um, obviously, as you can tell in the, the, the epistles is that they had all sorts of issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how we're supposed to operate. We're supposed to operate with um, this, you know, what you were talking about, like this hierarchy doesn't exist. Um, social status, whether I'm wealthy or whether I'm poor, makes no difference to God. Um, we all have the same measure of the spirit, right? And, um, and that is the thing that unifies us. And, and I, sometimes when I think of just basic, basic unity is like gathering with other Christians. Um, I don't think we understand how important that was to the early church. Right. Um, we're so individualistic in our, our culture, uh, the West, and um, that was everything. It, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like they probably took that for granted that there wasn't, like, oh, there isn't people gathering. You know, Paul's like, don't forsake the gathering. Like, you need to be at church. You need to be in church with your people. Of course, they were in houses and, you know, all that fun stuff. But um, 
And I think it looks like treating each other, whatever's happening out there, that is, we cannot do that in here. Good. You know, Good. house rules in here. Like we, yeah. we see eye to eye. And, and even though it's, you know, it is human nature. Like I, I get that. Like sin broke some things, but it's, it's through the spirit, yeah. right? Like we can't do this without the spirit. Amen. I'm not sure if you've tried um, there, there's a funny saying that, that people are all, you know, always talking about. It's just like, do I need the Holy Spirit? Yes, you need it to go to Walmart, right? Like, preachers say that anyway. But it is true, and we need the Holy Spirit to actually be unified. Amen? Amen. That's a great, that's a great point. Like, uh, thinking about the Apostle Paul deals with the subject of saints getting along over and over in all his letters. I mean, really, when you think about it, and when you think about that, Think about Moses Lake and the reality of all of our amalgamation of people, people different ethnic groups, uh, different backgrounds, different skin color, different um, geographical areas, even in the same state. I mean, just think about all of that that we bring together, and that makes these letters even more relevant to the fact that it's going to be the grace of God that, that works to unite us in the gospel. And I was in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul writes, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Sing about this for a minute. Outdo one another in showing honor. Like this is a concept that, that really I, I heard one time, um, I believe it was from Mick West. Um, there were people that... You, used to attend our church, uh, and he said something profound that really stuck with me. It's like, my highest good at your highest cost, and I thought, of, I just that's like stuck with me, and the idea of, of what it means to be in relationship in church, and, and that whatever happens out there, that as soon as we know that we are gathered together, there were believers, like, what, what does that mean? to be in unity. What is the thing that the Apostle Paul is driving so hard for in the church that, that we would be a people that show something different, right? Like, sorry. Well, the thing that's like Paul goes after is this, why are you apologizing? <laughs> uh, this uh, hierarchy. And I, and I think that's really, really natural for people. Um, in the Old Testament, there is a a part where the Israelites are finally free from basically anyone, any of their oppressors, any of their leaders. And, and God says to them, I'm going to lead you. And they say, no, we want Saul to lead us. Saul was the tall, handsome guy in the crowd. Like, and he goes, no, he's going to be cruel to you. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> we want to be led by him. And I feel like in the same type of way, hierarchy can be built into the church but it's not it's not biblical though or it's not even christ what i do up here in our calling is not greater than your calling it's not that i'm up here and i can share some words or some thoughts is not greater than the children's worker who's taking care of your kid back there their value in their service is the same in terms of all of us are called by one thing by jesus I'm just trying to fulfill what I feel like I'm called to do. And so for us and for you, it's, that's your purpose too. You need to figure out what the Lord is calling you to do. And that is a really, really beautiful process. Um, 
But yeah, there's, there is no hierarchy even here, or shouldn't be. We all should be even playing field. And I think about some of the things that even Jesus said about that, where it's like, the first shall be last. It's really painful. <laughs> or maybe Jesus came to serve, not be served. And you find yourself at this lowly point. And the more that you walk with the Lord, the more you realize how hard and difficult that lowly point is to find. But it is the best representation of Jesus, right? Yeah, I think along, like in that same, that same thought is that um, we need the body operating in all the different gifts, right? Like that, that's one of the things that I think we get caught up in um, in church culture um, is in, in a good way, honoring pastors. I, I don't think that's bad. Sure. Um, but there's, there's a line somewhere, yeah. you know, and, and I'm sure we all have an idea of where that might be. But, um, but it's like, this, this gift isn't greater than, we, we talked about this in first service a little bit, but like being on the stage, you know, my um, department is worship, so working with, you know, musicians and skilled musicians, okay? Um, and, uh, and just one of the things that we talk about in our team is that, that those two guys, three, usually it's three, in the booth are as important as we are. There's no, like, we're not more important than they are. Um, Grant at any moment could kill this mic and you couldn't even hear what I'm saying. Anyway. So, but, but the idea is that like, that's one of the hierarchies I think that is, that's taken out in new creation, you know, and you've experienced that a little bit, right? When the microphone is going crazy and sure. yeah, all that type of stuff. <laughs> um, but it's really easy to do. It's easy to do, uh, my son who I will not name, but one of them, uh, you know, we're having conversations about just people that he thinks are cool right, musicians and, and things like that. And one of the first places that we're going to is what is his character like? Mm. Yes. Because that, that's, that's one of the things that, um, that gets overlooked even in church culture is gifting, yeah. right? Ooh, that guy is so gifted or whatever. It's just like, I don't want to say it abrasively, like, but I'm going to. Um, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how gifted you are. Well, gifting is sometimes kind of overrated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I care if you're disciplined. Character. I care about your character. I care about if you're actively doing all the things for the right reason, yeah. right? And, um, and there has to be a purity of motives in that. And, and so I think sometimes serving isn't like a ladder. Like maybe if I just serve really hard, you know, as, as, as much as I can in kids' ministry, they'll see me. <laughs> kids' ministry seems difficult for me. That would be like one of the most <laughs> difficult places to be, in my opinion, for me. That's a tough one. Um, so that I can somehow be elevated onto the stage at some point. And it's like, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. Um, you're called and you're gifted in different ways. We need different things working. And what you're doing, wherever it is you're doing, if you're in the sound booth, if you're in greeting, or if you're in the coffee shop or kids ministry, that is as important. It is it, it, yeah, it is equally important, um, but it's very easy for us to lose sight and kind of flip things upside down. That, that isn't important. I mean, both of you guys illustrate something. Even the Apostle Paul addresses, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he talks about, you, you were talking about like giftings and elevation, and it's so easy for us to 
delve into like people worship, right? So like we have an alignment, you know, I like Pastor Doug more than I like you, or I like Drew more than he like. you know, I mean, it's like uh, th- those kinds of things. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, those of you who have said, I'm of Apollos or I'm of, of Paul, what does that even mean? In the grand scheme of things, who are we compared to Jesus? Like we're just people of Jesus. And so, so this, this thing that like the human element in 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 Galatians, but spread through the letters of the gospel is like um, the heart condition, our posture, and, and even division or, or, or disunity can creep in so easily like that. And um, uh, over the last several years, you, you brought up last several years and some of the things that our church has had to walk through, I've been so struck by, and we all have been, of just in Galatians, when Paul writes, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What other gospel are you believing? I want you guys to think about it like this. There in Galatians, you know, Paul was addressing a very specific thing about being Christian and adding the law to that, uh, adding all these other things. But, but think about it in our time. In our time in the gospels, um, what can become another gospel can be another teaching that you can follow, that you have to follow in, in charismatic circles. Sometimes it comes out with somebody entering our church and saying, man, here I got this new revelation and you guys ought to be doing it this way. And, and, and if you don't do it like this, then you aren't doing the thing that Jesus has asked you to do. Or what, what, if, it's, what if it's another mantra or social construct that we use as a filter? Like that's our filter. That's our first yeah. position. Like what? Well, I, I mean, uh, you know, I think first service, you brought up um, COVID. Are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? I see some of your eyebrows in the room raised, right? Like, but that should never be the first question of gospel-believing Christians. Jesus is, Jesus is the first thing. But, but, in our, but in, in it's, not like, it's not like we're addressing something that is like, our culture and media has elevated this thing. So as Christians, oftentimes we're influenced and so we begin to talk like the culture. But the thing is that shouldn't be, we shouldn't be walking up to other Christians and using that as first position to, to delineate whether you should fellowship with them or not. I think the Apostle Paul would write a letter about that. Or, 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 or pick, pick a different social ideology, and then using that ideology as a metric on whether you can first fellowship with them. Now, yeah, I mean, me- or, or even think of like, I think over the last even few years, I can think of a number of people that they have broken relationship or, with me, and one of the things was because of what I did not post on my social media. What? <laughs> We're not going to be friends, not because I didn't do something or violate something or, or make or offend you. or It's because I didn't post something. I didn't hit my phone and write a certain thing. And I feel like that can slowly creep in to the church. And it can divide us in really, really silly ways. And you see in Galatians, they were divided over circumcision status. Meaning, if you're circumcised or not circumcised, there is a big divide. And a lot of eyebrows went up, sorry. <laughs> but it, it seems really silly, right? It's just like, it's like, who cares if that's kind of weird to talk about? Because we're removed from it. But today, just 
put that word in with another word and apply it here. I think it's really funny. This is kind of behind, behind the scenes a little bit. But <laughs> Pastor Noah has got to talk about circumcision one other time. And then the next time is also about circumcision. Next week. Bro, and I think the other passage is also about circumcision. Yes. I'm running a The a Lord is trying to say something. I'm just not sure what it is. I'm trying to figure out in, what in, that means. Do in this uh, Keep in Step, I'm running a sub-series don't called A Cut Above. A mini-series. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. I, I, had to, I had to do that, dude. I had to... <clears throat> I think the interesting thing... I keep winning in rock, paper, scissors. True. Yeah. He's... Exactly. He's really... Bro, he had that loaded. He already had jokes ready. Hold on. I, I am going to say something serious. Okay, okay. I am going to say something serious. I, I think it, it is interesting going, you know, to that, to that place. Um, because some of the nuance of what Paul is talking to, right? The, like, there was a pressure... Um, the Jews had an exemption from worshiping the emperor at that time, right? So they didn't have to worship the emperor as long as they prayed for Rome. When everybody else, um, worship ran the world. It fueled everything. It was like politics. And it's a little bit like wellness culture now. It's just like, what do, yeah, just, you know, it's like, oh, you need this God. You need this extra thing. And so that's how they viewed it. And so there was a social pressure. And especially from the Jews who were like, don't screw this up for us, Christians, like, you need, to, you need to show us that you are the people. When these guys come through, we can say, yes, these are, are the people. And so it's, it's really interesting that, you know, that you bring that up. And we have all sorts of pressure in our culture to do something that is not Jesus. It's not the gospel. It's not the main thing. And it's actually the same pressure that they had at this time as well. I mean, it really serves to, it really serves all of those other ideologies or options or things really serve to pry you away from and move you further from the central teaching of the gospel because it adds another layer, another filter by which if you don't, if you aren't, if you don't, if you can't, I mean, it's in, you're not worthy, it's not enough. And, and this was the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul, right? Like he, he was concerned that, in fact, how, how passionately do you have to be to write in your letter, oh, foolish people? And then, I mean, this is coming from the Apostle Paul, where 2,000 years later, you know, later, and he... And there's worse things. Correct. He says worse things. <laughs> Correct. Correct. In this letter, he's... But, but, but this is what happens. We, we, we even have walked through in the last several years having to confront other teachings here in our church that have tried to come in and seduce. Um, and in some ways, they were successful. Um, and, and then to drive them out of the church harshly. Um, as as a, as an elder and pastors, that we had a response to that. That scripture says, when somebody who's divisive or brings another gospel, uh, that you're to deal with them harshly and drive them out severely. Um, we had to take some of those measure, measures, right? Um, that were and and still in some ways dealing from the effects of those. But but. The Apostle Paul felt so strongly that unity in the church was of, 
utmost importance and that the gospel would be central um, and that Christians wouldn't um, fall into another slavery, right? Like that, that, that ideology proves to be another form of slavery. You go from the slavery of sin to the gospel of grace and the master of Jesus. And then when you try to add something else, that becomes paramount and you yoke yourself under that. The Apostle Paul wasn't wanting that. I mean, what do we do with disunity? You know, it's like, it's all good and well to, you know, hear and understand intellectually. Um, And even in our hearts sometimes, it's like, we understand that we're one with Jesus, but somebody said something mean to me last week. (laughs) Disunity. Something can happen in that. How, How do we as Christians even walk out when there is disunity, what does that even look like in a real church scenario or even a real social scenario? Like, how does that look? I, it looks messy. Like, that's, that's real. I, I think um, sometimes we've, we look at church, maybe no one here, okay, because you guys are all good and you're all here. Um, but, but we look at church and religion as a commodity, um, and we commodify it, like you go to Walmart, you buy groceries, and then you leave Walmart, right? And so that's unfortunately how many people view, um, I, I, I hate to say religion, because I think it's supposed to be family. That's the, that's the point that I'm getting to, is that it's, it's meant to be family. Does anyone have a perfect family in here? You, I exempt you, because your family's here. You're <laughs> exempted from, <laughs> from raising your hand. <laughs> Um, my, my parents are pastors. My brother is a pastor. We do not have a perfect family. So nobody's got a perfect family. And right from the start, the church wasn't a perfect family, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we need the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Like there's this, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that we understand how much we actually need that. You know, the Holy Spirit Amen. to be in and grace. What, what's that thing that you said that he always says? Oh, his famous line. What's his famous line? Oh, man. Like, he has a lot of famous lines. Let, let the, my, let the Lord favorites. be the grease between, what is it? Yeah. The grease, the, <laughs> let the Lord be the grease. No. <laughs> Apparently, it's not that famous. No. <laughs> it's, it's, let grace be the grease between us. Yes. There you go. Raul says that before we go on a missions trips. And mission trips are a pressure cooker of conflict. <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. so that has to be this thing where the Lord's grace has to be the thing that allows you to work together. And if you could forgive quickly as a Christian Absolutely. and just not be offended, I feel like sometimes for me, the biggest thing the, the, the Lord has said to me is, get over it, Noah. <laughs> yeah. Just get over Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But if it's a commodity... I can just go to a different store, right? And that's, that's the yeah. tension. Is yeah. it like your family, most people don't, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to have some more grace. If we view this as family, so this which it's supposed to be. This store is out of Greece. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is a family, and that's the whole point yeah. from the very beginning, yeah. right? And that's why he brings this hierarchy thing, and, and it's like, no, we're supposed to have... I think there's very few things that should divide us. In, in some ways, we have it a lot. We have it a little more difficult in that we have many options, 
you know, when Paul writes a letter, he writes and greets the churches of Galatia. So you get one church in the city. I mean, you're forced to deal with your brothers and sisters. And uh, we're here. He, you know, he writes later in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about the idea of conflict and how it's necessary in the body. And, and think about this. He writes, it's necessary in the body so that those who are genuine amongst you can be shown. You're here. Like, you ever think about that? Like, there's nothing quite like conflict or disagreement to show, show the true hearts, you know, show the ones who are faithful, really, ultimately, right? I mean, think about how quickly disagreement or, or something pop up and it, like, dislodges people. They, they see that as their opportunity to go. Or It's all good until you say no. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I use that sometimes and tell, I, I just tell people, I, I'm concerned if I ever have to tell you no. Like, yeah, our relationship right now is all good, but as soon as, soon as that comes up, like, you're down the road. And the churches in Galatia didn't have that option. Like, he was, he was addressing them because they had one church. They had to work this out. And the terminology of family scares me. I mean, it scares me. I mean, you can't easily disown family. I mean, it can be done after a long, but I mean, not, it's, I mean, family year. So I'm looking around here at all of you, and I, and I love all of you, and I love the, the creativity of God, and it's Jesus that has brought us together, right? But, you know, there's some of you in this room that are wild, and we, you know, I mean, there, there's some of you in this room we have yet to, and there's some of you in this room that add to the strength in the fabric of this church in a way that is, is like growing, right? I mean, it's, it's like beneficial. We need that. It's, uh, um, and uh, so, I, so I, when I read this text and think about this first couple chapters of Galatians, I, I'm thinking like, oh, Lord, help us not to adopt another gospel other than the gospel that you've given us, that we stay free people. Pastor Drew says this sometimes, I think, with conflict and stuff. It's major on the major, minors on the minors. And meaning it's like these are the primary things that hold us and keep us. And it is Jesus. And, man, if you talk to me with any length of time, we'd probably disagree about a thousand things. But all of us can just be settled in one thing, and that is Jesus. And these are important things. There are really, really important things that we'll go to bat for. And I think those things are really important. But sometimes these little things that kind of get in there, um, yeah, they're really divisive, you know. And I, I think that it's, I think it's one of the, the strategies of the enemy for our age is just to bring disunity. And it's really worrisome to me um, where I feel like for here in our church, it's like not here. That may happen out there culturally, but not here in our church. It's like I want Jesus to be center for all of us, and for his grace that is abundantly given to me, I should be able to dispense. Um, you know, there is an interesting, uh, in my own life and when I'm talking to others, I just sometimes I, I use this metric, like whatever that conflict or whatever, whatever those words that were spoken, if they serve to diminish the importance of those around me, then I know it's the enemy afoot to dislodge or to move me away from those people. And, um, and I'm not going to have it. Like, I'm not going to have it. Like, it's, so we're in relationship. We're going to fight for that. Um, we're going to do that. 
And um, yeah, the, the hope is that the longer we journey in Christ together, that our lives would bear out the fruit of the Spirit and what He wants us to do. One of the other themes in this past or in this book of Galatians, um, you see this tension of uh, faith and then works. And sometimes as believers, I've heard it said that these two things are pitted against each other. It's like you either have faith or you have works. And Paul, how he wrote it, wasn't, that wasn't his intention at all. His intention was what's your starting point. The, time, the Jews at the time, they believed that their works would lead to salvation. Do X, Y, and Z, then you're saved. <clears throat> Jesus changed everything. The, the salvation rested in one thing, faith in him. That's it. And so it really, really changed it. And so I feel like when we read this passage, it's not to have this, they're not pitted against each other, but they're actually tension of the same thing. Um, your faith in Jesus leads you to doing good works. It's not your good works save you, but that faith in Jesus is your starting point. And out of that, your life should bear. Like, it should look like Jesus. You should do as he does. You sh- it doesn't just, it's just not a cognitive thing or a thing that you believe. It has to be played out into your life. I'll read this, this text from James just to illustrate that. Um, this is in James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Basically, I'll pray for you, right? Which isn't bad, but without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? Mm -hmm. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And, And so some of the tension is that these are two they're written to two different groups of people, mm-hmm. right? Where Galatians are probably new converts. And the, this James was written to people who really, you know, had been in the faith a long time. But it's, it's not one or the other. It's both of them working together, yes. right? And so I, I think that's kind of, it can be difficult for many people to look through that, like in a, almost like a reformer type of lens, right? Mm. If we, we understand, like, it's only by faith and by faith alone, very Martin Luther way to, to look at it when that's not really what Paul was actually talking about. And, and so that, that can be a difficult thing to kind of work through, I think, with people is it's like your faith, this relationship that we have with Jesus absolutely should change how we live and what we do, yes. right? Um, sometimes we, we think belief is what is up here in our brain, and that's not the biblical context of belief. The bibl- like that context is, is it requires you to do something. And uh, so even in anti-Christian countries, right, we, we know that we see, um, sometimes they don't care if you profess Jesus. They care if you've been baptized. Have you been baptized? Was there something that you did to actually step forward and say, this is it? And so I think that's the tension of just being, you know, faith alone and, and all that type of stuff is is, yeah, but what are you doing with it now? It, it is a, it is a um, if you say you're a Christian, then your life should, would, should have the fruit of that, you know? And so Jesus said, you know, abide in me and I in you, right? This idea that we be close. And I, and I was thinking here about the fruit trees, 
I don't know much about fruit trees, so you guys can correct me later if I'm wrong, but I, just think about how much work does a branch have to do to, to make fruit that's on a fruit tree? I, I was thinking about this, and I mean, it was just like all of a sudden it hit me. A branch just has to be connected. It could just hang there. It doesn't do much work. Like, and your life, if you say you're a Christian filled with the Spirit, should just emanate the fruit of the Spirit. If it does not do that, I would encourage you to evaluate your life and check yourself. Actually, the Apostle Paul says, think about, examine yourself to see if you are of the faith. It's a healthy question. It's like, man, my life lately hasn't been exuding, wow, Lord, I need your presence. I need your help. I need you in my life. To, to dislodge probably pride, probably selfishness, probably, I mean, like all those things. You pick, what, as you self-reflect, say, Lord, I need the antidote to that, which is you and your presence and your spirit, right? So that in your life, you reflect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, marriage is a really good practical outworking of that. Mm. You know you're married, right? Or the three of us are. We have, you've made a covenant if you're married. Whether or not you know what that means, you made a covenant. Um, but you can't just do nothing. That, that covenant requires faithfulness, yeah. right? And it requires a whole lot of other things you probably had no idea you were going to get into. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line. But that is the relationship of faith and faithfulness, right? Is, is I can't just not do anything for my wife and vice versa. Right? Like, that's just not how a good, healthy marriage works. And I think sometimes we look at faith almost like it's not a relationship, but literally the language is of a relationship. Faithfulness, the faithfulness of God, working through the faithfulness of Jesus, and then working through the faithfulness of his people. And it's an actual two way street, it's a relationship. Amen. Amen. We routinely talk, probably all of us on staff, about stories we hear in the congregation, stories of you guys, and stories of really just miraculous and even beautiful works that have come out of your life because you have been changed from Jesus. Um, I refer to you in my brain, not bad, but positive. I'm like, people have handed us like checks and been like, this is for this. Open the check and I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> Did you misspell something? <laughs> and they're like, no, I feel like I need to. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I, I routinely think Christians sometimes, y'all are crazy. <laughs> because it, you do things out of this compelling from the Lord. And sometimes it's so outrageously beautiful where it's just like, yeah, you know, we decided to have him in our house for six months, you know, because he had a hard time. I'm like, in your house? Like where you live? And they're like, yeah, you just in down on his luck and we just needed, you know, we don't really have much, but we decided to write this $10,000 check for this thing in the missions. And, the, and I'm like, are you sure? And it's because you have this, this thing, this encounter with the Lord that so changed you. And then all of a sudden you're compelled to do these faith-filled, outrageous acts of faith. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, that is an area that 
we, we do regularly talk about. And, and I, I marvel about that the Lord, you, you as a people, as a church, have been marked. And you are a generous, gracious church. And when I talk to other pastors or people when we connect and travel around, you know, I got to brag about you at times. Like, oh, that's great, you, our church. And, and sometimes I hear stories and I think, yeah, that's not, that's not our experience at Grace Harvest Church. Our, ch- our church, they love people and they care for people. And I mean, regularly, if you, if you were to, if you were to um, we, we get calls for needs and, um, and, and either through the benevolence fund where you people give to or the churches. I mean, we, we meet most of whatever we think is legitimate things to help. And that's because of your generosity. So I, I commend you for that. Like this, this, this is a church that has been marked uh, by the grace of God, and so, so even in sharing just about Galatians and about, about you know working the idea of unity, um, I feel like from my own experience and heart, it's like this isn't the reprimand. Like we're we're encouraging you in the faith because you're doing, and and though at times there's like this safeguard that like you read through Scripture that butts up against and it's like a reminder, hey. Be on guard. Think about this. Lean into. Do this thing. And um, and that our desire, as even as we think about it, is like, let's make Jesus central, like the gospel of Jesus Christ first. Right. Kind of the last um, major theme that you kind of see in this book of Galatians, or one of the themes, is um, freedom in Christ. Um, Drew, you had you had a good observation of this. I think first service. Um, I I think we were we were bringing out the idea that um, freedom in Christ. I actually think you said this, but freedom in Christ is slavery to Christ. Um, and sometimes we we approach freedom um, like I can get away with everything, or something like that, where that's not really what the text is talking about. Um, I'll just read this real quick. This is in Deuteronomy. When, when you hear uh, something about the curse, right? You're, you're no longer under the curse. Deuteronomy 11:26. It says, See that I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, but you turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after the other gods that you have not known. And so that's the curse that is broken, right? But we still sin, and that's what is categorically put into transgressions. Mm. Um, and I think there is sometimes an idea that um, I can do what I want and get away with it, mm. I guess. Um, and that's really not at all what freedom of Christ means. And so I, another thing that we talked about which is a good one to bring up again, was alcohol. Can you drink alcohol, right? And, um, and we talked about Jesus' first miracle, which was about making lots of alcohol. <clears throat> but the idea that you need to be led by the Spirit in your freedom. Um, because the truth is, is that you have freedom, totally okay to have alcohol if, if that is not against your conviction, right? But there are some people that should not touch alcohol. Period. And I'm saying that from a pastoral, like, this is what we have walked through with people, is that the freedom that is in Christ turned into slavery for them. 
and it yoked them with slavery. And, and that was heartbreaking is, is probably a good, way to, a good way to put it. But you have freedom, but you are a slave to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and so that has to be, we love rules. Yeah. People love rules. If I follow these rules, this will happen. But we have a relationship with the Spirit, and I think that's even some of the undertones of keep in step, yeah. right, is this is a relational following of, of Jesus. Yeah. Do you think we really understand what it means to be a servant in the kingdom versus, you know, we're Americans. You know, we're not subservient. I don't um, think we understand that. Yeah, I, it's, uh, you know, when we talk about the gospel, I, I think that oftentimes we, we confuse our Bill of Rights and the constitutional freedoms that we get um, with, and we interpret the scripture through that lens um, when I think it should be the other way around. And I think oftentimes you'll find that instead of standing up, you should sit down. Um, instead of speaking out, you should be quiet. Instead of, you know, and I'm just simply saying... I, I am not, don't, don't take from this that I, I am not bashing our culture or history. I'm simply saying that the, the kingdom of Jesus and his presence here on earth brought radical change to the human condition. And, and, and when you go, and, and Jesus came to deal with this sin bondage thing and the chasm in our relationship with God, and he, he came to be the bridge so that we can have relationship with God and have freedoms in him. But we transfer sin to slavery to slavery to Christ and calling God master and Lord. Do we really know what those two words mean? Master and Lord? Okay, right, right. Slave to righteousness? Slave to sin? Slave to righteousness. I mean, it's like, whoa, okay. They obviously understood it contextually and culturally at the time. I don't think that we, even me sitting up here, fully comprehend what, what it means to be yielded subservient to Master, Lord, Jesus, Christ, right? One thing's always try to take that position. You know, things always try to take that master position in you or take control of you. Um, that's why you have a lot of freedom, <clears throat> but that thing can kind of really get out of hand. Alcohol is like probably a really easy example where it's like you do have freedom, but man, that thing can master you so quickly, and we have seen it destroy people. Um, but it's not only that. Sometimes I, I have seen Christians and people only apply it to things that they know obvious are wrong. So it's like, oh, like this, like drinking's the easy one. Um, I would even, I would even say. Um, your time spent on social media can take mastery over you. Your time invested into TV or TV show or young person, this is a, a common one working with youth, is uh, video games. I'm like, I don't think you should be playing for 12 hours a day. Real conversation. Because it's taken mastery over you. Um, and, it, and it's just anything that will take that number one place, you know, anything that can take number one place. Um, if you knit too much, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I can't stop, you know. <laughs> Having intervention. Uh. 
But it's anything, and the easiest thing I would say to test that, and this is what I do in my own heart and in my own life, and also I tell people, if you feel like something's got mastery maybe over you or is creeping into that role, and you feel like, um, you feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's kind of leading you, I would say do this. Give it up for a month. I have said to men who I've seen kind of that thing with even with alcohol, I'm just like, you should stop drinking for a month. And if their response is, oh, I can never do that, I'm like, showed your hand. <laughs> and I feel like that with anything, you can apply that to your own life. And it's a really great discipline to even add to your life. If you feel like something is taking center stage and taking mastery over you, give it up for a month. Have a beautiful fast. It'll be awesome for you. And then you could see kind of even unveil sometimes what's in your heart and in your own mind. That's yeah. true. Because it's sneaky. It's, it's true. Yeah. It's a good word. All right. As you can see, there is, this is a deep well of a subject, amen? Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, like, and, and then taking the scripture and then overlaying it, uh, pick your name, right? And then it's a pl- application to you. Our desire is that the scripture would unfold to you in a way that you would see is not necessarily just written to the foreigners 2,000 years ago, but bringing it home and that it's applicable and useful for your own life today. Amen.